real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is June 5th, 2020. 6 5 20, it's Friday. And we have um, <laughs> some interesting developments and a lot of confusion. I want to start today by just trying to put into perspective that... Um, not everything is what it seems. And when I say nothing is what it seems, I mean it in exactly what I'm saying. Uh, we are seeing an insurgency within our nation like no other. We are seeing things happen that we cannot comprehend we are confused as to what's up, what's down, what's left, what's right. And I, I thought that it would be good to maybe try to give um, a good, uh, a little bit of food for thought as we go into this weekend. And, and this has to do with time. Now, I, I tell you, I'm a time traveler. You can take it as you want. <laughs> And, um, you know, maybe there is a viable explanation as to how I can, you know, strap on my belt and, you know, have those three stars across and, and tell you what is coming with accuracy. One thing I can tell you is whatever's going on in Asia is insane right now, um, and this is from what Secretary Pompeo had been doing with Iran and ISIS uh, these past couple days. What people are going to realize is that Iran, its creation, the cash palettes, all of this was, has nothing to do with nuclear energy. Nothing. Everybody has nukes. Nothing to do with nuclear energy. It's a scam. It's a scam that has been going on throughout time, as we perceive it, forever. I want you to remember that from the beginning of time, or what you perceive to be the beginning of time, or from history, or mythology, or whatever you want to call it, inscriptions on pyramids, whatever it is, whatever a human being might believe, or the origins, or time in general, you must remember that those that brought you the supposed knowledge of math and science and philosophy and everything in between have spoken of the four corners of this earth as if there are corners. And it is not as one may seem, just like what we see on the news is not what it seems, just like the things we are told are not what it seems. What we need to understand is that Time can be manipulated. Time can overlap. And experiments as such to bring four timelines on one have been successful in, in, in various, um, on, uh, during various experiments that have been initiated without one's knowledge. I'll refer back to the night of the election, the night before the election, the night before the election. 
and dare I say, the night of the election too, where we had a global mass prayer piloted online. I don't know if you guys remember, but I partook. This is where all four corners of the earth were joined via Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, YouTube, you name it, radio. Listening to Graham's prayer and praying that the right candidate is selected for the United States of America. Now you would think, why would someone in India, Australia, China, Japan, Mongolia, Russia, you know, Estonia, Georgia, Greece, Italy, why Africa, South Africa, Zambia, Congo, why would they care to pray? And it is because we have been deceived to perceive reality in the way that they tell us. Because many, many times on air, I've told you that the percentage of this timeline coming out is this, this one, this. That's because there are four simultaneous timelines going on. And I'm going to make this as simple as possible for someone to try to understand. Right now on the East Coast, it's noon. But somewhere on this planet, it's midnight. Their day has ended per se per se. Somewhere else, they're just waking up. Somewhere else, it's almost nighttime. It's in the middle of the afternoon. All in different time zones, as one would say. But it's not that. It's June, right? Do you feel like it's June? Does it feel like it's June right now to you? Everything has been skewed. February was slow. April was fast, right? Super fast. May was even faster. Here we are five days into June. Is it June? Question, right? Is it? What if? What if? There are four corners of this earth with four days within one day that they tell you. I'm just going to leave it at that because it seems that what I've been trying to convey is that uh, time is not what they tell you it is. Uh, Time, scientists say, that there is no actual dimension and there are collapses within them, but that is exactly what that prayer did. It took four different times, four different years, and smush them into one thought of reality. So in the physical world that they tell us, time is measured by numbers in a change that we've been conditioned to believe it does. It is the way it makes us feel comfortable. So considering that space-time does not have a mass, right? Then how do you know the size of time? This is just a, a question you should ask yourself because we see it a lot. A lot. 
transversible, a causal retrograde domains in space time. TARDIS. Pretty interesting. I, I thought I would mention it now so that later on in the show you'll understand how it happens um, and how time has been skewed and how things have been confusing us uh, beyond belief. They are skewing our ability to see by skewing our ability to be able to abide by the constraints that they had provided us as the foundations of all life, which is, you know, how a day goes by, how a year goes by, what time is, the perception of it, the perception of it. So you as an observer can perceive time faster, slower. All of you have been there where you, when you're doing something you enjoy, time goes by really quick. I mean, feels like I just started the show, but we're 15 minutes in. Hmm. That's, 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 that's pretty incredible, right? A quarter of an hour has just passed, but it doesn't feel like it. Other times it'll be as if every time you look at the clock, you think an hour's gone by, but only a minute has passed. Skewing time is literally done and undone. And this is how messages are controlled and how we are being put into a box of four corners in order to be ushered into a perspective they want us to see. Who's they? They, 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 they. It's just they for now. Now, we have so much to to talk about today. I don't even know where to start. But I think I'll start with the fact that our president's um, news conference today at the Rose Garden was great. Uh, I want to start with that. I want us to listen to portions of that um, together. And I will start that right now. A great, a great thing. We were very strong we had the greatest economy in the history of our country. We had the greatest economy in the history of the world. And that strength let us get through this horrible pandemic, largely through. I think we're doing really well. Vaccines, by the way, had a meeting yesterday on vaccines. We're doing incredibly well with that. I think you can have some very positive surprises. And therapeutics, likewise, we're doing extremely well. Cures, we're doing well. I think those two words really blend in with each other. But uh, tremendous progress is being made on vaccines. In fact, we have ready to go in terms of uh, transportation and logistics. Uh, we have over two million ready to go if it checks out for safety. Uh, and it's also the nice part is we have four companies, I guess you could even say seven or eight companies that are doing uh, some similar and some very different on the vaccine front and some similar and some somewhat different on the therapeutic front. So tremendous progress is being made on that. And I think even without that, and I have to say, even without that, and I don't think you're going to be having to use that in the future, that statement, even without, because I think they're going to have it. But uh, we're going to be back and we're opening our country. And I hope that the lockdown governors, I don't know why they continue to lock down, because if you look at Georgia, if you look at 
Florida, if you look at uh, South Carolina, if you look at so many different places that have opened up. I don't want to name all of them, but uh, the ones that are most energetic about opening, they are doing tremendous business, and that this is what these numbers are all about. And you have to remember one other thing very importantly. I think it's extremely important for you to remember that many of our states are closed or almost closed. Some of the big ones, New York, New Jersey, they'll start. They're starting now to get open, I hope. And uh, I hope they also use our National Guard. Call me. We'll be ready for them so fast. Their heads will spin. We did it in Minnesota. In Minneapolis, we were incredible. It, uh, they were ripping that place apart. I love the, I love it. We had such success there. And they were ripping it apart. And I called the governor, and the National Guard went in. And one night, it was over. You don't see the problem in Minnesota now at all, not even a little bit. You take a look at uh, a great city, it just a great, great city, Minneapolis. And it was uh, — it was under siege, like nobody's ever seen, where people are running from a police department, the great police, and they were told to. They didn't want to run. They were told to. It's bad, bad governing. And I'm not blaming the governor. I'm blaming the mayor. But we want to get all of this finished. This is a great tribute. What we're announcing today is a tremendous tribute to equality. We're bringing our jobs back. You know, when we had our tremendous numbers and when we had just prior to the China plague that floated in. We had uh, numbers the best in history for African American, for Hispanic American, and for Asian American, and for everybody. Uh, best for women, best for uh, people without a diploma, young people without a diploma. I mean, so many different categories. Our numbers were the best in almost every category. Uh, we had the most people working in the history of our country, almost 160 million people. We were never even close to that. So we had things that were we were doing so well. And then it came in. But we're going to be back there. I think we're going to actually be back higher next year than ever before. And the only thing that can stop us is bad policy. Frankly, left-wing, bad policy of raising taxes and Green New Deals and all of the things that you have been writing about long and hard. That will stop it like you wouldn't believe. And frankly, it's holding it back. If if there were no possibility that that can happen, and I like to be an optimistic person, I think we're looking very good. I think even before today, our polls were — the polls that I've seen and the polls that we do were looking very good. But if we didn't have the possibility of having massively higher taxes, like the Democrats want to do, and Green New Deals, which are totally ridiculous, frankly, ridiculous, and all — and I'm a big environmentalist. I believe strongly in taking care of our environment. We have the cleanest air we've ever had, like over the modern era, which, let's say, you go back 30 years. We have the cleanest air, the cleanest water we've ever had. We're setting all sorts of really good environmental records. We're very proud of that. But the Green New Deal would kill our country. The deal, Green New Deal would have a devastating effect on the world. And it's not going to happen anyway, because it's impossible for them to do it. If you ever look at what they want to do under the Green New Deal, it's it's like baby talk. But we are doing uh, something that uh, — this was an important day because this shows that what we've been doing is right. And the reason it's been and is so good is because the body was strong. Our body was so powerful that we could actually close our country, save millions of lives, stop people very early on from China from coming in because we stopped early, at the end of January, very early, 
people coming from China who were infected coming into our country. It was a very hard decision to make. Nobody, almost nobody wanted me to make it. I would almost say nobody wanted me to make it. But we made that indecision. And even my enemy said that was an extremely important. We saved tens of thousands of lives with that decision. So we did a lot of things. And then we, we really ended up with empty cupboards. We went into a ventilator period that the likes of which nobody's seen since the Second World War. We mobilized. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. And then we did tests. We're over 20 million, or very close, but I think we're over 20 million tests, more than anybody in the world. Germany is at about at four, and South Korea is at three and a half. We're over 20. And by the way, when you do more testing, you have more cases. We have more cases than anybody because we do more testing than anybody. It's pretty simple. But this is outstanding what's happened today. Now, they thought the number would be a loss of 9 million jobs, and it was a gain of almost 3 million jobs. Nobody's ever seen anything. I think it was incredible in a couple of ways. Number one, the numbers are great, and this leads us on to a long period of growth. We'll have the greatest — we'll go back to having the greatest economy anywhere in the world, nothing close. And I think we're going to have a very good upcoming few months. I think you're going to have a very good August, very good July, but a spectacular — maybe spectacular September, but a spectacular October, November, December. And next year is going to be one of the best years we've ever had economically. And if you look at the numbers, they bear it out. But we were strong. It's sort of like when you go in for an operation, if a person is healthy — healthy, we were healthy. We had the greatest economy in the world. We went in for an operation. We closed our country down. We closed it down. We saved possibly two million, two and a half million lives. Now, it could have been a million lives. I don't think anything less than that. But if you think we're at 105 million today, the 105,000 today, that would mean at the lowest number, it would be 10 times that amount. And I think everybody believes the least if we went herd, as they say. And if you look at Brazil, they're having a very hard time. And by the way, they kept bringing up Sweden. It's come back to haunt Sweden. Sweden's having a terrible time. If we did that, we would have lost a million, a million and a half, maybe even two and a half million or more lives. So we're at 105,000 lives. Big move, closing it up. We also closed it up to Europe. Europe became very infected from China. A gift from China. Not good. They should have stopped it. They should have stopped it at the source. But let's just see how Europe has been infected in other ways before we continue. So we talk about this virus, but how else have they been infected? Have you seen that they're out protesting for this one man who was unarmed and killed by Minneapolis police? This is where... Their experiments, Oprah did this once with global, what was it, um, meditation. They know the strength of collapsing the four years into one, the four corners of the earth into one. And they understand it. Ugh, they understand, let me put it this way, they don't understand it. Because if they understood it, a lot of us wouldn't be walking around, okay? But what they do is they get the general gist of how you can manipulate time through gravitational changes and how you can collapse timelines in order to amplify the generalized reality across all four years. You say four years. Well, think about it. Why is every term four years? 
Just think about that for a second. Just think about that for a second as you listen to what the president continues to tell you in regards to what we've accomplished. But it's a gift from China and a very bad gift. I will tell you that. And you do say, how come at Wuhan, where it started, and they were very badly, they were in bad trouble, but it didn't go to any other parts. It didn't go to Beijing. It didn't go to other parts of China. Then you say, how come it came out to Europe, to the world, to the United States? So it didn't go to China. They stopped it cold. They knew it was a problem. But they didn't stop it cold from coming to the United States, Europe, and the rest of the world. Somebody has to ask these questions. And we'll get down to the answer. You know, we, we made a great trade deal. Great. They're going to buy $250 billion worth of product. And by the way, they are online. They're doing okay. But the ink wasn't dry on that deal when the, when the plague floated in. What's going on? A plague is floating in from China. What's going on? So the ink wasn't dry. So I guess I view the trade deal a little bit differently than I did three months ago. It's a great deal. I will say they are uh, buying a lot from us, and, and in that way, I respect. And getting along with China would be a good thing. I don't know if that's going to happen. I'll let you know. We'll let you know. I think they want to get along very much with us. But uh, we built a tremendous thing, a tremendous power platform. So when it got ill, when we had a problem, we were able to cut it off, stop it, just like this. Stop it. Keep everyone inside. Keep them away. Keep them together, away, uninfected. And we saved millions of lives. And now we're opening, and we're opening with a bang. And we've been talking about the V. This is better than a V. This is a rocket ship. This is far better than a V. A V is wonderful. A V is this. They were talking about, will it be a V, a U, an L? They had no idea. And I was watching one of the shows. And I have great respect for the people. And they said, uh, will it be 9 million in job losses? Will it be — what will be the number be? Will it be — are they going to report record numbers? Will we break 20 percent? What will the number be? And, you know, I don't know, because we were in — and I don't think we're in that territory anymore. We were in uncharted territory. Nobody's ever had a situation like that. So the number was uh, 9 million, and one of the people was getting, no, no, I think it's going to be 10 million. That's 10 million negative losses. And then somebody else said, no, we think it's going to be 8.7, 9.2. Everyone was right around that number. This is great geniuses, and they are. I watch them all the time, and oftentimes they're right. Warren Buffett uh, sold airlines a little while ago. He's been right his whole life, but sometimes even somebody like Warren Buffett, I have a lot of respect for him. They make mistakes. They should have kept the airline stocks because the airline stocks went through the roof today. And others did, too. The whole market went through the roof. But they said 9 million, 9 million job losses, 9 million. It's what going to be. Are we going to break 20 percent? Are we going to break it? And then the numbers came in, and one of the folks that was reading the numbers said, wow, this is a great number. It's only 3 million job losses. And then reading it and say, you know, I don't think this, I'm not reading this right. Let me look at it again. Oh, wait a minute. This is three million gain almost. Three million jobs gained. And then they shouted out, one of them sort of semi shouted out, is this a typo? 
I think it was probably the greatest miscalculation in the history of business shows, the history of business shows talking about Wall Street. And that's okay. But one of the reasons we're in this position is because we had such a strong foundation. So we were able to close our country, save millions of lives, open, and now the trajectory is great. Don't forget, New York is barely included, and that's one of our big ones. California is barely included because they're not open, and they should open. By the way, the mayor of Los Angeles wants to keep this thing closed for a long time. Look at what's going on in Florida. It's incredible. The job the governor of Florida has done, it's incredible. The numbers they're doing, you've got to open it up. And you do social distancing, and you wear masks if you want, and you do things. You can do a lot of things. You're getting closer together. Even you, I notice you're starting to get much closer together. It looks much better. Wow. Welcome back, everyone. Talk about hijack. <laughs> that was interesting. So um, I guess I'm not going to play that anymore. I'm just going to make my points. The president of the United States has clearly showed um, what he is about to be doing in the next what we perceive as three months, like I said, and we mark through days of Labor Day um, for the change of the year. And um, what he said was the most important. This is just the beginning. The best is yet to come. And that is how he closed his speech. And that is what we need to remember in this time. This is just the beginning. New Year starts uh, around Labor Day. And that is when we shed and we continue. You will see what is to come, you know, in the most, uh, I would say, enlightening way. Because as people awaken to the idea of a manipulation they will realize that sometimes you move forward in order to look back and understand what is happening. And that is the only way uh, you can uh, push forward events that you know are inevitable. There are supposed to be over a million people heading to Washington, D.C. to protest this weekend. They are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. We saw them paint an aerial view of the term Black Lives Matter with a depiction of Washington, D.C.'s flag. The coat of arms, as one would say, of the of Washington District of Columbia. Three stars two lines. And this is why the mayor is actually evicting the National Guard. Well, our president will not be there. And if they dare to do what they have planned to do, it is going to play exactly the way we want it to. For some reason, they believe that they are in control, but we recharged. We have to remember that there are certain structures, certain um, points within our perceived 
planet that are great sources of free energy. I mean, I'm not going to get into the quantum, uh, you know, uh, portion of it. But the world saw how those batteries were recharged. And even though they're trying to manipulate, you know, they've been trying to suck energy from this quantum vacuum, this energy that surrounds you and me, this love, this light, this connection, in, you know, which is actually that space that we create and we perceive as distance between us. I mean, our boundaries uh, biologically and physically are dictated by our minds. I mean, I would definitely like to dictate my boundaries to a smaller circumference per se, have not mastered that ever, but it's, 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 it's the space between you and I is what we call zero point energy. And when there is a recharge in order to boost it, uh, we see changes, and this is where we're going to see the most insane things occur. We are being infiltrated. We are being told stories from both sides. You know, they always like to make it sound like there's only two poles, that there are only two points in an equation, my fellow mathematicians and physicists, you know that there are not two points. We are not two-dimensional at all. But reality that has been carved out for us is making us believe that our perspective only has two points. Left, right, up, down, north, south, west, east, you name it, two points. It's not the case. It's not the case. A cube has four points that you can identify on a two-dimensional plane. Again, coming back to numbers, I won't delve into it, but I want you to have that in mind this weekend as things progress. We are finding more and more on what the agenda really is. What we're seeing is a push. Look, the Democrats want to take away your guns, right? And now they want to take away your police. What does that tell you in essence they want? Lawlessness and to reduce the number of people there from their castles they will be watching. They want to defund the police. I mean, L.A. mayor actually moved to cut the city's funding. Yesterday in New York City, people were asking for, you know, the dismantlement and taking out the police, removing the police. It's insane. We have them asking for this. Have faith that the eyes that can see to look back have already taken measures. And I love it when my president leaves on Air Force One. It makes me happy. Because that is when darkness may settle in order to do what? Simply bring the light. Now, that's what we see uh, the majority of times that, you know, darkness settles in in order for us to see the night. So, uh, you know, yesterday we saw that the president of the United States, uh, you know, 
brought back someone who was detained in Iran. Um, he just came back to U.S. soil. I want you guys U.S. To, Navy hear, to hear this report. It's um, it's touching, and it shows just what negotiations are happening in the background. You'd be like, well, it's just for him. Well, not really. Take a listen. White back on American soil. Iran releasing the California native after holding him for nearly two years. I'm improving. I did contract coronavirus at the Mashad Central Prison prior to going on uh, on furlough, uh, but I'm recovering pretty decently, getting back in shape. I was really in poor shape then, but getting a lot better as a result of Swiss Embassy and all the efforts of the Trump administration. He has obviously been through a lot, but looking good right there. Jennifer Griffin is live at the Pentagon with the details. Jennifer, good morning. Good morning, Ed. The plane carrying Michael White landed at Dulles International Airport outside the nation's capital at roughly 2 a.m. this morning. I do want to extend my personal thanks to President Trump for his efforts, both diplomatically and otherwise. It's making America great again, and uh, I look forward to what's going to happen here in the future. Now, I guide you all on your time to look at the Fox News report. Uh, it says Navy veteran detained by Iran is back on USO. I will put it. You heard her tell you that the plane landed at 2 a.m. 2 a.m. at Dulles Airport. Yes, you heard her say it. It's really important that you remember that. Our own Rich Edson was there when White was transferred to American officials in Switzerland. The State Department's Iran envoy, Brian Hook, completed the transfer. I'm recovering pretty decently, getting back in shape. In July 2018, White says he was visiting a girlfriend in Iran he met online when authorities there arrested him. In March 2019, he was sentenced to 10 years in prison on charges he insulted Iran's supreme leader and posted private photographs on social media. Negotiating with the Iranians is never a linear process. Uh, there's a lot of stops and starts. You have to be very patient. This is a regime that has been taking Americans hostage for 41 years. And our diplomacy has been successful, and we're going to keep working at it. A senior U.S. official told Fox News that as part of the deal to free White, the Trump administration agreed to release an Iranian-American doctor, Majid Tahiri. He served 16 months for violating American sanctions against Iran and was sentenced Thursday to time served. The official says Tahiri has lived in the U.S. for 33 years and is a medical doctor in Florida. Michael White's release also comes one day after an Iranian scientist held in the U.S. since his arrest in 2016 returned to Iran after an American court cleared him of charges of stealing trade secrets. The State Department says there was no prisoner exchange. Today, the former Navy cook, Michael White, is back on U.S. soil. Did you hear that passive-aggressive statement, no exchange? They're exchanging because just like any other, the Iranians wish to have freedom too. They do not want to be in the same predicament that they are at. They do not want to be part of it. Now, yesterday, I, I, I'm, and I'm still irate over it, is the actual soldiers kneeling to domestic terrorists. Now, former CIA officer exploded on Tucker Carlson um, about Secretary Esper. Take a listen. Mark Esper is a former defense lobbyist who's now secretary of defense esper was not elected to that position obviously he was appointed to it by the president who was himself elected 
That's the chain of command in a democracy, always. Voters choose their representatives. Those representatives choose their staff. But all power flows from the public who vote in elections, from you, me, and the rest of us. When cabinet officials ignore the instructions of elected leaders, they are ignoring voters and attacking democracy. In the case of the military, it's especially dangerous. Our armed services are controlled by the president, who was elected. In many countries, that's not the case. When politicians in those places do something the military doesn't like, the generals stage a coup or they threaten one. Places like that invariably are violent and chronically unstable. We're not at all like that here, and we don't want to be. We can give our nuclear weapons to the military on the promise that we're essentially in charge of when they use them, because we elect presidents who make that call. You probably knew all that. It's basic civics, or it was until Donald Trump got elected. Recently, the president suggested that he might invoke the Insurrection Act that would allow him to use American troops to quell the riots in our cities. Now, that's his call. You can agree with it or not, but he's the president. It's up to him. It is not up to Mark Esper. If Mark Esper doesn't like it, he can resign and he can vote against Donald Trump in the fall. He may do that anyway. But that's his option. What Esper can't do, what we cannot let him do if we care about democracy, is to subvert the order of the president he works for, no matter who the president is. And yet yesterday, Mark Esper appeared to do exactly that. He gave a press conference in which he announced that he opposes using troops to bring order to the country. American troops in Syria and Afghanistan are absolutely necessary. We can't pull them out. It's immoral. But we can't use Americans to protect America. That's Mark Esper's position. Apparently, Esper said this at the urging of active duty generals at the Pentagon. Now, once again, it doesn't matter whether you agree with their position. This kind of behavior is a grave threat to all of us and to our constitutional system. And that system is teetering tonight. We hate even to say that out loud, but it's true. It is. Some in Washington would like to see the system collapse completely. Congressman Ruben Gallego, for example, just sent a letter to General Mark Milley, he's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, telling him to defy the elected president if ordered to suppress the riots. This is insanity, and it can't lead anywhere good. And thank God we have General Milley right by his side. For 230 years, we have been the beneficiaries of civilian control of the military. It's one of the main reasons this country has always been stable. But when the military becomes an independent political force, it's over. Democracy dies. We've resisted that many times. Just before the Second World War, for example, FDR ordered his generals to help Joseph Stalin in Lend-Lease. They didn't want to do that. They hated Stalin, and for good reason. They understood the mortal threat of communism. But they were told to do it, and they did it. Because that's our system. It's democracy. Very interesting that Tucker Carlson would put the picture that I was... Uh, referring to you guys about the meetings that Stalin, Churchill, and, uh, you know, Roosevelt and all these other presidents had during the Nazi war times. It's so interesting. That system has worked very well for a long time. In fact, it's why we revere our military, because we can. We, they're not part of our political system. Their only job is to protect the country, and they do. But if people like Mark Esper continue on this path, we will not like our military at all. We will be very afraid of them, and we don't want to be. Brian Dean Wright is a Democrat. He's a former CIA officer, and we're happy to have him join us tonight. Brian, thanks so much 
for coming on. Now, I'm not even going to ask you what you think of the president's idea to invoke the Insurrection Act to put troops on the streets. I want to ask instead about the chain of command. You served in government. Can bureaucrats decide unilaterally to make policy? Well, that's what we've seen the past three years, isn't it? Brennan, Clapper, Comey, that all that's now coming out. That's not a new phenomenon, of course. It's a horrifying one, but it's not new. But what we have here, I think, more specifically, is a secretary of defense who doesn't get it. I just want to point out his name, BDW, Brian Dean Wright, I've told you that this is where you see the differences in who is actually an insider and not. It's very important. I told you middle names play a huge role. All right, right now, let's just cut to the chase, Tucker. This country is on fire. We are facing an insurrection by people that we don't quite understand who they are. But by all indications, they are violent leftist thugs. And what Secretary Esper doesn't quite seem to get either is that the nation is panicking. 71% of us want the National Guard in our cities tonight. 58% of us want the military in our cities tonight. All right, the people are panicking. The country is on fire. Now, who is attacking us? Mr. Esper should know this. Right. It's Antifa, Department of Justice, NYPD. Others are saying this very clearly. These are people, by the way, that we faced back in the 1960s and 70s and early 80s. These were people who were far leftist, Marx, Lenin, you know, folks who, who embraced that ideology. They allied with Black Panther movements, and it took many years to finally put it down. Very dangerous. And now this same group who is allied, by the way, with the Democratic Socialists, we're talking to Bernie Bros and Ms. Ocasio-Cortez, they're back. They're back with firebombs. They're back with bricks in our suburbs, in our downtowns. That's something that Mr. Esper clearly doesn't understand. And then finally, we have a media that is feeding this flame, this horrific fire, this seditiousness. You have brought this up many times, including tonight. Let me read a, a headline from Slate magazine just yesterday that said the following. Peaceful protests are an important tool, but so is violence. So now we have a media filling the airways full of this crap. Yeah. Put it all together. And the piece that you mentioned, no more police because we're going to defund those folks. We can't put forward the National Guard because that would be escalation. So now we take off the military from the table. What does that leave, Tucker? Let me tell you what it leaves. Vigilante justice. That's exactly it's you right. and me and everybody watching this program arming ourselves. Is that how we run a republic? No, sir, it is not. You're and exactly you do not right. want a country that goes there. And that is precisely where the nation is headed. And we need for all of our leadership to understand that. And if Secretary Esper doesn't get it, doesn't understand that the oath is to protect ourselves from threats, both foreign and domestic, by God, get the hell out of the Pentagon and let somebody lead who gets it. Because that is the oath that he took, that I took, and that the people of this country demand of our leadership in this moment because we are on fire. Someone do something about it. I couldn't agree more. That's, an, that's inspiring. Brian, I appreciate it. And you just have to wonder why people are encouraging this. You really should meditate on that, I think. I have been. I wreck my day. Brian, great to see you. Thank you. Pleasure. Well, thank you very much. It's a very big day for our country. It's an affirmation of all the work we've been doing, really, for 
Three and a half years. This is a well, well, well. Three and a half years. Uh, can we say? Can we say? It's uh, pretty interesting how uh, you know uh, suddenly intelligence individuals like Wright are coming out and saying what all of us are saying. They want a war. They want blood. They want us to be vigilantes. They want us to shoot them. They will send them so they can, so we can shoot them. What they want is during this protest and on this weekend that they come and they trample through the White House. Remember, it was the D.C. mayor that said the door should be open. Everyone should have access to the White House. How come you didn't say that with Barack Hussein Obama? What about Bush? Huh? What about the Clintons? Uh, you know, what you don't see is, is that we look forward to look back. All you have to see is that we have been three years ahead. And yes, some intersections in providing information have occurred uh, it, that are more relevant now. Yes. But what you need to do is have faith. You have to have faith that... You're being looked after, but that doesn't mean that you sit on your hands. No one has ever told you you must trust a plan other than that of faith. Faith. Faith in good, because good always trumps evil. Always. Never have those words come out Look at the origin of those words and remember who stated those. Because you will see there's not two sides in this equation. There's a lot of sides. You're hearing people half left, half right, 80% right, 20% left, 100% left, 100% right. Where are the people in the middle? What are the people in the middle saying? People in the middle are saying, just trust yourself. And yes, there is a plan. We know this. Your existence is already mapped out. Those that look ahead can look behind and tell you that you're exactly where you need to be right now. And time is telling you that too. Because you feel that June 11th, remember that day, June 11th, be super important. June 11th, something's going to happen. You're going to be like, wait a minute, Tori. And I'm telling, wait, I mentioned this three, four years ago uh, on June 11th, 2016. Obviously, you can't see it because <laughs> all of those have been taken down. It was in an article that I put in the HuffPo. But it's important. I also saw that there's something that they have been pushing around that not a lot of people have realized, and I caught on to it yesterday. It was really bizarre. And I'm going to tell you, they are planning something for a specific time in the near future. And that is in September. September 30th, Brooklyn, New York. Remember that. September 30th, Brooklyn, New York. 1 p.m. and then a minute to 8 p.m. That's all you have to remember. They're highly organized. Because un unlike many believe, 
Yes, they can look forward, but they can't look forward and look back. That's the hindrance they have only because it is within ones and zeros and within certain dimensional planes. And so they cannot see and take it literal and take it as uh, I want to say paraphrasing of that. When I say multidimensional, multifaceted, multi-approach. What we have to remember is that everything is where it needs to be. And there are people that you did not expect coming out to ensure that this is disrupted. Though, 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 there are many issues that we will see arise. Again, keep your head up, pray, and have faith. Put that belt on. Because it's going to get pretty crazy. It's already getting pretty crazy. You don't know which way you're going. The left is advocating for violence and to destroy everything American. The right is forcing super conservatism while they're pandering to the left. It makes absolutely no sense. You're confused. And then we have the conservatives that we have been listening to tell us things in passive aggressive ways make other statements. Then we have the left that has been so left, so far left, they can't see another direction that are suddenly pandering to the conservative side. Just trust your true north. That's all you can do right now. I'll see you in a bit. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. We're going to start now talking about this defunding of the police that is very, very important. And we're also going to kind of reference how Elon Musk actually called to break up Amazon and uh, how those are actually one and the same in a weird an odd and curious way. So let's start with listening to what uh, LA said in regards to cutting the city's uh, police funding by 150 million. Former Congressman, former Chairman of the House Oversight Committee, Jason Chaffetz, also a Fox Business contributor and author of the book, the deep state. Great to have you with us, Jason. Let's start with the development Thanks, of uh, first uh, the 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 remarks by the attorney general talking about foreign malign actors uh, and understanding clearly that Antifa and he also mentioned other groups, but did not name them, uh, presumably across the a broad political spectrum. But again, not stated as such. Your reaction. The attorney general has been very clear and very precise in saying that there are outside actors that are taking advantage of a situation and instigating uh, violence. And those people need to be uh, dealt with. They need to be targeted uh, by the police. Uh, They need to be put in jail. They need to be prosecuted. Uh, I'm sympathetic to those that want to protest. I think it's the American way. People have a First Amendment right to do it. 
But those that are going to commit violence, property damage, looting, mm-hmm. assault on officers or military personnel, we cannot stand for that ever. That That's not acceptable. And so uh, I think the attorney general's right. I'm glad he's on top of it. And I'm glad that uh, the president designated Antifa the way that he did to give focus across the nation to law enforcement on who we should be looking out for. And yet we are watching primarily Democratic mayors, Democratic uh, governors, Democratic city councils uh, giving just giving a free pass to apprehended rioters, looters. Uh, It's really quite something to see an ideological alignment uh, amongst those breaking the law and those who are designated to enforce it. Uh, and I, th- I hope they pay a big uh, uh, a political price for it. Uh, you were talking earlier, Lou, about Eric Garcetti, who's the uh, the mayor of Los Angeles, now wanting to cut mm-hmm. the budget. It's going to be somehow vogue to just defund or get rid of the police in these. Are you kidding me? Uh, and if these, if you, if the L.A. mayor is serious about doing it, why don't we start with getting rid of his own personal security detail? Because I got to tell you, he's transferred all around Los Angeles, everywhere he goes, with L.A. Mm-hmm. police officers. They're by his side to protect him. If he wants to get rid of the police, show us where your money is, Mayor. Get rid of your own security detail and tell yeah. me if you need the police. And he could show us where his heart is as well uh, in yeah. solidarity. Yeah. Uh, he could eliminate police protection for Bel Air, uh, for Hollywood, uh, for the uh, wealthier uh, areas in uh, Los Angeles. I suspect he would get a quick response from the citizenry. I'm just guessing. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think if they got rid of the police and uh, defunded them there at City Hall and uh, uh, for the city council and all that, I think they probably have a little bit of an attitude adjustment. But the mayor can show us by example, if that's what he believes, then do it to himself first and then see how it goes. Give it maybe uh, 72 hours and see how he's feeling about it. I think that's about I think that's about right. Well, before they continue, let's just put it this way. I mean, they want to defund the police, right? Well, then why don't the police just decide to go on strike? They have unions. They could go on strike and say, yo, you're putting me in the mouth of the lion. You're telling me not to defend myself. You're telling me I can't arrest people. So, hey, um, I'm going to, you know kind of just a protest by not showing up. We're going on strike. I mean, they're unionized, right? They can strike. So strike now. Why don't the police strike now? Let lawlessness out. Give it 24 hours. I, you know, NYPD, LAPD, Chicago PD, are you upset? Unionize. The Democrats gave you those unions, right? They did. And they're using your union money. Then get it together. Why don't you strategize and say, well, we're going on strike because we're not allowed to do anything. I mean, did you guys see that video where, you know, two police officers are in a store, in a store, and they sat there and watched the store owner. One of them ran away. The other one just watched the store owner at knife point get robbed while the guy was walking his dog. Like so weird, so bizarre. And they didn't do anything. And it's like, all right. If your cops are not allowed to do anything, if your cops are victims of fraud, you know, fraudulent type attacks, you know, like the old man they threw down and all this blood was coming out of it. So fake. He had the little blood bag on the back of his neck. You could see the wire coming out of his ear. It was all fake and staged. The guy pushed him. He fell on purpose. 
pop the bag and boom. If you have that much blood coming out of your ear, your brain has literally become mush. Stop. So if they're treating our cops like that, they should just all go on strike. Go on strike. Let the mayor deal with these thugs because those thugs, you know, they don't need they don't need your paid assets to go out there to riot. They'll do it themselves because they're thugs and they don't care. They'll fight over clothes and bags and stolen loot, even though they're going to the same house. They'll fight because they're thugs. They're animals. Yes, they are. White, black, polka dot, red, you name it, thugs. They don't care. Complete animals. They'll just torch things for the hell of it. And if they know that the cops are not working, boy, are they going to have a party. And if they're smart, they'll even use some hacktivists to make sure that the CCTV is turned off. And you'll see a scene from The Purge right at your doorstep. That's what they're going to (laughs) do. Strike. Come on. That's a 12% probability on one of the alternates. Let's do it. Let's have them strike and have the mayors and the governors resign for being unable to protect their constituents. Strike, guys. Everybody should be urging NYPD, Chicago PD, LAPD. Strike, guys. You got unions. Let's do it. Uh, A preposterous mayor. I mean, that is just a preposterous uh, uh, person. I I, I just can't even, I cannot figure out a way to understand, to comprehend uh, why the city puts up with him. Uh, Let's turn to Ron Johnson. Senator Johnson is really demonstrating real uh, character and uh, commitment to getting to the bottom of Obamagate and I have to say, I, I do nothing but applaud him. And now he has subpoena power. I would say John Brennan and a few other folks have got some real problems developing very quickly. What do you think? Very disappointed in Lindsey Graham for delaying yet again an investigation that should have started, quite frankly, about six months ago. Uh, Hats off, though, to Senator Johnson in being able to get after what is one of the biggest political scandals ever in the history of this country. And I'm glad that Senator Johnson is uh, taking advantage of his chairmanship to do what he should be doing. To do anything else would be malpractice. And and Lindsey Graham, my gosh, it was a love fest. Uh, telling Rod Rosenstein, I, basically, you know, I'm with you and we don't want to create too much fuss here. So go ahead and do as you will. Uh, it, it was really a stunningly pathetic performance for a guy who had been talking about uh, he was going to be a regular, uh, a, a real investigator and get to the bottom of the corruption, the political corruption of the FBI, the Justice Department and their effort to overthrow the president of the United States. It looked like he was having simply a walk in the park, didn't it? Well, at least they had the hearing. I thought uh, Senator uh, Mike Lee, Senator Hawley, uh, certainly uh, Ted Cruz, uh, took it probably the most seriously, Mm -hmm. asked very pointed questions, and drew testimony. It's pretty stunning that the political targeting of an opposition campaign, Rod Rosenstein didn't even read the FISA application, and yet he's the last line of defense to make sure everything's in order. He signs off that it's verified, but also testifies that he never read it, and he says he's going to take full accountability. I don't buy it. This is—it's just. 
It's so sad. It's so wrong. But I got, you know, all our chips now are on what Mr. Durham and Attorney General Barr are doing. No, it's not. There's other U.S. attorneys you don't know about. Huber as well is doing stuff. Uh, There's a lot of people doing stuff. But let's just stick to the riots for a second. We have all these riots going out. We have all this Antifa and other extremist groups that have instigated violent activities across the nation. A.G. Barr said that he has evidence of this. And you think they started now? Do you think they started now? Think? Protesters are fine. Agitators are not. And that's the message we're getting from the Justice Department right now, where the attorney general and the FBI director are teaming up to take action against groups that are using the cover of these protests to do, well, things that have nothing to do with the protests. Hillary Vaughn following it very, very closely from our nation's capital. Hey, Hillary. Hey, Neil. Well, today looks a lot different in front of the White House than it has the past few days. You can see this entire roadway is opened up. There's no longer a human barricade of law enforcement and military blocking protesters from the White House. And the the protesters have significantly dwindled down. They're all now on the sidewalk before they were flooding this entire, entire roadway. Cars are freely passing. But there is a focus shift happening right now. The Department of Justice is turning its focus on who has been responsible for the violence, the unrest, and the assault on officers around the country over the past few days. We did just hear from Attorney General William Barr, who says that the protests have been hijacked by professionals who are professional at provoking violence and unrest. Barr says they have seen evidence of Antifa being a part of these protests. Hold on. Let's stop right there. So we're seeing a trend of shave your head in support for Black Lives Matter. So they're telling white people, right, shave your head. They're creating skinheads to then claim that all these riots are done because the KKK has hijacked their movement. This is how the purge happens. Look, it's like I wrote the script because I I tell you, I move forward to look back. You know, I'm just saying this is pure insanity, right? You're just like, no one will do. Oh, yes, they are. And they think they're, they're, they're doing the right thing. These idiots are sacrificing themselves and putting themselves out there. So what they have been brainwashed to believe that they're fighting against, they're being, they're being tricked into embodying that. So that way they can point to them and said, look at those skinheads. They're here in our movements. So dumb. He says they're receiving real-time intelligence on the ground and responding accordingly to any pop-ups of violence. Law enforcement has spotted members of organized groups like Antifa at different protests. One official tells Fox News that the U.S. Attorney's Office is developing several cases looking into these extremist groups. Uh, Today, Attorney General Barr says they do also have foreign actors that they've seen that are playing all sides in order to keep instigating this violence. We... Yes, because there are multiple movements. So remember how yesterday I talked about the deputy chief of police, um, Amundsen, Osmundsen, uh, from Fargo and how he was dressed, holding a beer and started saying F the police and stuff like that. I want you to listen to what he did yesterday after our reporting and after the stuff that I sent over the weekend. Uh, well, weekend. Yeah, the past weekend. Wow. Didn't this week go fast? That was super quick, right? Blink of an eye. He resigned. Why, though? This is what you need to think. 
Now with some breaking news, now considered former Department Chief of Police Todd Osmondson, he was suspended for a week without pay earlier today, is now turned in his badge after over 30 years, 30 years of being with the Fargo PD. More on that in a moment, but I want to share with you sort of what happened to give you the backdrop. Now, he was supposed to be uh, off duty on Saturday, go up and be with his family at the lake. He decided to stay in town. He actually talked a uh, chief taught essentially to being on duty. They go way back. So he suited up for the protest. He was out there. You may remember he had a sign up with some of the protesters as well. Then as the way, as the day, I should say, went on, he ended up getting into civilian gear, put on a mask. He says in an email that he put out to the department that he was uh, then found an empty beer can to carry around downtown to sort of fit in with the protesters. And then he started chanting with them, or at least saying, bleep, bleep, the police with the protesters and the rioters. We're going to share with you some of what Todd Osmondson uh, put in an email here to the police force after he was confronted by this, uh, by his actions, by Deputy Chief Joe Anderson. Good job by Deputy Chief Anderson. So here's what he said in his email, folks. He goes, obviously nobody wants a ride and nobody wants to go rescue a cop. I took actions that forever many within this department will call me stupid, that is probably just. I can't argue that. He's been there for over 30 years. Over 30 years, and the deputy chief made a decision to go be with protesters without way beyond protocol. He knows way better than what he should be doing here. And he went outside protocol, put on civilian clothes, started hanging out with protesters in the back, and then chanting, bleep, the police. So we'd love to know your thoughts on that. I think there's a lot more to the story. We're going to share with you his statement here in just a moment. It's a long uh, audio and visual statement. The reporters were there earlier today. But I also want to let you know this. So at one point in his email he sent out to the department, he was asked by the protesters. And again, if you haven't seen it, there's you know pictures of these guys out in front of the Fargo PD holding up different signs. So he was asked by the protesters, hey, will you chant? Black Lives Matter with us, he says, how about All Lives Matter? So he made a distinction on Saturday going, hey, I only want to chant All Lives Matter, not Black Lives Matter. And I bring that up because it's important. I want you to watch his statement here. Please pay close attention. We'll talk about it on the other side. It is with a proud heart that after 31 years, I lay my badge down with as much honor to the city of Fargo that I can gather. As of today, Thursday, June 4th, I'm voluntarily resigning as deputy chief of the Fargo Police Department. I took actions on Saturday to protect all officers and protesters and citizens of Fargo during Saturday's events. However, those actions have led to distrust of this community among those in law enforcement as well. I have been given a suspension. However, no amount of suspension will regain that trust. So as a suspended officer currently, Chief Todd has informed me I am not allowed to discuss the investigations of Saturday's actions, hereby limiting my voice per policy. I accept that. However, 
My goal is to serve this city no matter the race, gender, sexual orientation, or religious background. If I can't stand with my community, our community, to have a voice for change within our department today, I truly believe in doing what is best for our city and our community. And it is now, with my head held high, I willingly step down from my command post for what is best for our city and our department. I have made many great friends through my time serving. I've been part of an incredible change growth in Fargo. I've witnessed a community come together in floods of 97 and 09. I've witnessed the community stand together in silence grieving for Fargo's fallen Officer Mosier in 2016. And I will never forget. I am witnessing our community today coming together now for equality and a justice for people of all races. It is here now where I stand. So please don't read too much into the lines. What is the past is in the past. Now it's about the future. I welcome any family members or friends of mine to come to the march and sit with me tomorrow. On Friday, June 5th at Island Park at 1 p.m. The organizers are also asking for participants to bring flowers in remembrance and celebration of George Floyd. I will be bringing flowers. It is time for change and I am ready. My final words before I officially turn in my badge of 31 years into the Fargo Police Department. I am fighting for my community and I am fighting for equality. I am fighting for justice. I'm doing what is right and what needs to be done now. So the time is now to be able to use my voice and to stand for Black Lives Matter. And do what I can as an individual to fight for those discriminated against. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Hashtag Forward Fargo. Ha. Thank you. FF Forward Fargo. Listen to that. Obviously, very emotional statement there. We'll see what the investigation shows. But a few things to think about. He just said there, uh, hey, don't don't look too much into the lines. Not saying there's anything there, but typically when somebody says that, it means look in between the lines. We will do that here at Valley News Live for you. Second thing is he's been there now for over 31 years, and he says now today I'm going to stand for justice and what matters. Hashtag Black Lives Matters. Look at the funding for them, by the way. But, but why now? When you're on the inside, why not use that 31 years to create equality and justice for all while you're in the Fargo Police Department? Now, maybe he did. Maybe he's got an impeccable record in that no, sense. No, he doesn't. I don't know. I think it's something to look into. Um, and then he ends his statement after 31 years, as I mentioned before, where on Saturday he wasn't willing to say Black Lives Matter, according to his email. But then he says, you know, as I turn in my badge and I resign after 31 years, I want you to know I stand with hashtag Black Lives Matter Again, I don't know what that means. I'm just asking you to ask some questions about the statement you just heard there and obviously what is going on because there's more than meets the eye. And that's what we'll find out for you as time goes on. 
These environmentalists, these insane UNers, man, let me read you his email that he sent to the police department, all of Fargo PD. Greetings. Deputy Chief Anderson was courageous enough to come see me this evening and informing me that many officers were mad slash upset at my actions this weekend. He said, talk was circulating on many fronts and divisions. I genuinely thank him. I know it doesn't take long for information to be spread, especially when it's someone with with rank and deservedly so higher rank higher accountability so i will at least shed a little light from my chair to hopefully not create more stress on this department than we already occurred and are occurring especially with our heavy hearts tomorrow approaching now seems the right time to share this versus waiting this is his email Keep in mind, from June 1st, I'll try my best, but emails are not the best to direct communication with each and every one of our department. It's not feasible. Joe stated that these concerns are in our department right now. Why is the deputy chief out and about when he's on light duty? Why was he on light duty? Think. Timing. If he can be out and about, how come he wasn't out in the front line with the rest of us? Why was he among the protesters himself? His actions could have caused me risk myself trying to rescue him. How come he wasn't listed on the ops plans? Right? We are officers. Didn't know he was out there. How is that even possible? He was drinking beer out there. He was yelling F the cops with protesters. Why would he hold a sign and be among eventual rioters? I will not accept these. He said, I will accept those valid concerns and understand your anger where my actions during a riot, your typical playbook. Absolutely not. And for that, I own it. Not sure any of us are riot playbook experts. I'm not, I'm grateful. We're not experts and hope we don't become. So if you want my 31 hours full detail for the weekend, come visit happy to share cliff note version. Okay. A little more than cliff notes, but 31 hours, 31 hours. Listen to this. Um, 31 hours, uh, minimum, minimum detail worth. Sorry. I have to set the stage a little bit because most of you don't know me, my values, my beliefs, my passion for Fargo PD for 32 years and living and breathing downtown Fargo with my friends and family for 32 years. Most just know me as Deputy Chief Osmondson, an old guy with a rank. I had the green light from the chief to go to the lake in the weekend with my family and daughter who I haven't seen since Christmas from Oregon for a planned family weekend with her friends, bartender and cook for the weekend. Jess had the PIO duties and I had no assignment for uh, the ops plan. But my gut, my gut, heart, soul said the march may turn into something more and this city especially. But my gut, heart and soul downtown is my passion. So even on my light duty status, I felt I could be helpful in protecting, right? My only restriction for full duty is running on the new tendon. Yet <laughs> I know if I could, I would uh, just so many sewing up again It's just so that my tendon needs sewing up again. Um, but I became extremely necessary retreating, not chasing. So my whole family and friends, I sent to the lake on Friday and I stayed, wait a minute, his family and friends from Oregon went to the lake that he got permission for, but he stayed. Then it's redacted. I came at 6am Saturday to see where I could help on Saturday morning. I asked the chief if he would okay me to suit up as I really wanted to participate in the day's events. He said, I haven't run for 30 years. So why would I start running now? Chief knows me well, but I used to outrun him in our SWAT days all the time, however. So I got approval to fully suit up. Thanks chief. You're the best in the TOC. I was making social um, distancing, not a thing, but being in the small, um, 
FS of Fargo sergeant's room being used for the talk. Masks were still a thing. Redacted, 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 redacted. After the crowd appeared, blah, 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 blah. So he's claiming that he was there to protect, that he wasn't there. The mob would start to approach and start chucking bottles at them. Again, a few good guys stepped in front, getting hit themselves by bottles and would always get the mob to stop. And they would direct those redneck outs of the area. Redneck outs of the area. Listen, I felt another obligated... Now observe these incidents and call the TOC if things were to get to level. So he was working undercover. Stop. Wait. Black Lives Matter. You end it with that. We already know. See, Tori already told you. I already told you. This deputy chief, me and him have had words because he stalled a Somali's rape allegation collection and pushing it forward. He stalled it. He and a bunch of other elected officials in the state of North Dakota. Here we're like, what? North Dakota is so small. Yeah, but they have one of the board members of Antifa living right there, and nobody is talking about it. That's what's up. They have a governor that was pushing social distancing, if some cities pushing fines. And yet there he was with no mask and not social distancing the day after. Can you see double mouth speak right there? That is who is protecting you? Man, there's bad eggs in every rank. And Chief Todd, you're not out of it. Because just because he resigned doesn't mean that the Attorney General of the United States, not Stenjum, right? He's being into too. See you in a bit right after this break. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. After nearly four years, my family's nightmare is finally over. We couldn't have survived this without the love and support of the millions of patriots around the world. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. 
I know I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. Welcome back, everyone. So we need to be telling our police officers, tweet it, Facebook it, call them, fax them, email them, do what? Let them use the weapons the Democrats gave them. Unions are a weapon of the Democrats. They use teachers through Teach America to brainwash your kids. Hence why it's one of the biggest lobbies they have. They use those unions to crush us. This is how they stop transport, stop police stop teachers strike 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 well this is what you can do use something that was intended for evil to good the police officers should stand up they got these unions stand up and strike look how fast their song and tune will change those thugs will have governors and mayors begging for you to come back and you have exercised your right as a unionized arm of the city use that weapon the weapon that they've been using against us the people to hold us hostage to not be able to have transit police Teachers, you name it. Those unions have been created to do one thing and that scam you out of money so you can fund amalgamated bank that funds them. In turn, they've given you this cushion of being able to unionize. Well, unionize now. Use it now. Remember the oath you took and use it now. Use it. Unionize strike you watch how quick mayor beetlejuice will be begging you faster than she did walmart you do that quick and you watch de blasio eat his words begging trump to bring in the military you do that and you watch the dc mayor crying because those thugs are not just going to hit, you know, the Capitol, the Capitol Hill. They're going to hit your house. And that's how it goes. LAPD. Why don't you let Ellen DeGeneres and the rest of the degenerates get those thugs in their backyards with no cops? This is how you fix it. You use the weapons that they've mistakenly given to you to control your pockets against them. Use what was intended for evil, which is to fund their pockets, for good. Strike. That is how you make things happen. You have unions for a reason. You have un. Did you take an oath, police officer? Then, do then so be it. I want to see the sheriffs, the police officers, all go on strike at once. <laughs> it won't even be an hour 
before the mayor will shoot down anything. Oh, no, no, no. We're not defunding the police. The 150 million. I didn't mean take away 150 million. I mean, give them 150 million. You don't get raises. You don't get paid. Your raises that were approved three years ago are now coming into fruition. You don't get money that covers the sacrifice you do every day coming into contact with someone crazy on the street. You don't know where they've been, what they've been doing, what they have in their pockets, what crazy they yield in their mind. And yet, and yet, you sit there and take it because you're serving your community. Well, this is how you serve your community. By exercising your right to protest, your right to strike. That is what we can do. Strike. The police officers should be striking right now. They should be listening to Tory says and saying, you know what? Why not? I don't need to go home in a body bag to my wife because I can't shoot. I can't defend myself. I can't arrest them. I can't push them without them pretending I hurt them. I refuse to be demonized when I've been serving my country. This is what our police should be doing because every day they're out there. They don't know who they, you know, if I ever got stopped and questioned, I know that I'm sane, but they don't, you know, every little move I make to put in my pocket could be that I have a grenade or a gun or a knife or just nothing. Maybe I just wanted to scratch my thigh incognito. They don't know every day. They leave the house and they go out to patrol their parents Their wives, their kids don't know if they're coming back. And yet they get paid peanuts. They get treated like crap. What? You gave them bulletproof vests? What? You gave them shields and a baton? What? You gave them tasers? But they're not allowed to use that. It's excessive force. It'll make them look bad. They're scared of doing something. Because then all the right media, left media... Far-left media, anarchists, Antifa, Groypers, whatever you want to call them, will come out and call it brutality. So this is where it's at. We should ask the police, you know what? Yeah, so we're not working this weekend. Deal with it yourself, man. I'm not allowed to defend myself. I can't do this. You deal with it. Hey, I'm leaving it. You watch how quick. You watch how quick. Every single mayor and governor in this nation's head will spin. That is all we need. Use that tool that was intended for evil. And that evil of unions is to rob your pockets of money. Rob it. So that is all you have to do. Strike. And once you strike, it's all over for them. You've just taken away their power. They have no power over you. Your power is your right to defend the Constitution and your right to unionize, right? So your right to strike and your right to life. We are sending them out there to the slaughter. They should go on strike. You will have de Blasio on his knees begging, begging. You will have every single celebrity that posed for defunding, you could give direction to Antifa right to their house. 
They want to defund the police. Uh, we're not working. Uh, I'm not going to say, but where are the Hollywood maps in Hollywood? Just saying. This is how you fix it. Take away their power. Their power is that you need a job. If all of you strike, <laughs> they ain't going to fire all of you. No, they're not. Because they won't be left standing the minute you strike. Could you imagine if Chicago PD, all the precincts together said, you know what? We're going on strike tomorrow. And everyone's like, yep, that's it. I'm out. Let's see if Mayor Lightfoot, Mayor Beetlejuice has even a face to come out and speak and say anything. (laughs) That's how you get them. Use the weapons that they created to defraud you from your union dues against them. Use what was intended for evil, turn it into good. This is how you boomerang. This is how you boomerang. And this is how you end riots real quick. Because the minute you strike, we only need one city to be brave enough. Hey, Cleveland, you ready? Chicago, New York, L.A., San Francisco. Where are you at, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Fargo? Hey, Go on strike. We need one, one brave police department to say, you know what? I'm not doing this. You're not going to send me out there and tell me I can't arrest. You're not going to send me out there to die. Two people were shot in Brooklyn. Two cops were shot in what? And they have to stand there and watch this. No, 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 no. This is how you fix everything. You boomerang that back to them boomerang it that's all you need to do this is the year of the boomerang and this is one of the boomerangs you can take why oh why do i have to talk about it that's because something happened just an hour and a half ago and i don't know what it is that shifted this reality coming into fruition so i guess you know what we have to do amplify all of us should be asking our local police go on strike man you have the right they can't fire you for going on strike because you got a union (laughs) that's the thing your union is gonna protect you so just go on strike that's it and you'll fix everything for all of america for all of us, you are our front lines. You are our front lines. Do it. Or else you're going to be torched, just like the Mexican police officer. They're going to pour accelerant on you and set you on fire. You want that? You think bullets is a problem? Do you see what happened in Mexico? Do you want that? If you have a husband or a wife that's in the police department listening to me right now, earwig it. Tell them to get together and you say, you know what? We are important. We're worth more than 30000 a year, 40000 a year. We put our lives on the line. And they keep doing cuts to our police department. Now they want to defund us because we're unnecessary. We're so expendable. They're sending us out into riots and we're not allowed to use force to protect ourselves. These people have accelerants. They have knives. They have guns. They have bricks. They have rocks. They have machetes. And we have to sit there with a shield and a baton no more that's what our local law enforcement should do and this problem will solve itself almost instantly i want every single police officer to see the cop in mexico that left the rioters alone got on his bike to mind his own business did what he had to do and was trying to ride off and they set him on fire on his motorcycle 
Do you want to be lit on fire? Do you want them to torch you? No. So this is what you do. You walk away, you strike, you use that tool. You have the right to strike. Teachers strike all the time. We're upping their salary all the time. And yet most of these teachers are funded by these organizations. Yet you who take it all get nothing. So here we are. Let's get this going. Let's get the strikes going. So we can fix this. All of us should be amplifying that message. All of us should be telling them there's a million coming to protest in DC. Your mayor just said she wants the national guard out. Well, then you go on strike. Why is the DC Metro police not saying, all right, look, if you're kicking the, the, them out, I'm out. We're out. We're not working. We're done. We're leaving. We're going to Virginia for the weekend or wherever we want. Cheap flights now with coronavirus. See ya. You could torch the place. We don't care. But somebody make sure to take Dave, Debbie Wasserman Schultz's computer, okay? So this is how you fix it. You want to defund me? You want to kick out the National Guard? I'm good. We're out. We got a union and we're going to strike. See ya. See how fast their tune will change. A new song will be played. You want to defund the police? That's great. <laughs> well, then you're on your own. And that is exactly what the police should say. Not saying, oh, I'm just doing my job. Just do it. Go on strike. Go on strike. And that is how you fix it. I have to keep saying it. Go on strike. Go on strike. Now, let's just talk about how... The Democrats use the Trump-Russia probe as a fundraising scheme, <laughs> talking about scams like unions that you could use against them. Let's talk about this. Welcome back. Let's stay on the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, authorizing today subpoenas for 33 former officials in the Obama administration in the probe of abuses of power in the Trump-Russia probe, the probe of Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, and the unmasking of Trump team members and dozens and dozens of media leaks. Subpoenas now approved for, for people like James Comey, John Brennan, James Clapper, Susan Rice, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, and President Obama's chief of staff, Dennis McDonough. Let's welcome back to the show House Intelligence Ranking Republican Devin Nunes. Great to have you back on. Uh, sir, your reaction to the subpoenas today? Well, look, this is a long time coming. I'm very happy that Senator Johnson has stayed with this because Senator Johnson uh, has been mercilessly attacked by the media uh, for this, but he's right over the target. And I always say, as long as they're attacking you, you know you're right over the target. Uh, we have a responsibility in Congress to bring these people forward, to take their depositions. And the only advice I would give them uh, is to make sure that you release those depositions quickly. You don't want to be stuck in a position like we were, where you're waiting for some deep state bureaucracy somewhere to allow the American public to see it. We need pure transparency and these officials need to be gotten on the record again because there's just been a whole lot more new information, Liz, that's come out uh, in the last uh, few weeks and months. Who, who in particular would you want to get under subpoena? We know that William Priestap, Kevin Kleinsmith, Joe Pianca, these former these FBI officials are going on the list too to be subpoenaed. Who would you want to talk to under subpoena? Well, uh, look, what, what we have, uh, we have an ongoing investigation uh, in the House Intelligence Committee, Republicans uh, do at least, uh, and uh, we've got about 40 people 
that are that are on that list. Uh, and so hopefully, uh, if Republicans are put back in charge, uh, we will be able to subpoena those people. But right now we can't. Uh, so we're all we're doing is continuing to get information. This is why we'd like to see if the Senate does do this. It could aid us in our investigation as we continue to make criminal referrals uh, in our probe that we have ongoing. And, you know, the, of course, you have the executive branch, the Department of Justice, that has three U.S. attorneys that are also probing this matter. How many criminal referrals are you working on and for and what for? Well, we have uh, we've already made uh, eight criminal referrals and we're probably going to make uh, at least another five, uh, possibly as many as, as 10 additional ones. Uh, that'll be coming here in the next. Uh, ho hopefully we're, we're you know, we keep working. We want to get it right, uh, but it'll be in the next uh, week to 10 days or so. What do the criminal referrals cover? Well, we've looked at, uh, we've had the, the original eight look at the FISA abuse, and they look at abuse of our intelligence agencies. We have several people for lying or misleading Congress. Uh, we now are looking at the overall General Flynn investigation uh, and how that was conducted and the rest of the Mueller team. Uh, and then, of course, as new information has come to light from the information that was declassified by uh, Acting Director of National Intelligence Rick Grinnell, uh, that information is also showing that there are other people who have lied or misled Congress or have, uh, I think, in some cases, maybe uh, lied by omission, uh, documents that were kept from Congress, that sort of thing. You know, we keep hearing uh, people saying we're going to get to the bottom of this, get to the bottom of this. Uh, what does that mean? Are people going to jail? Are they going to go to prison? What ex are they going to be penalized? What? What's going to happen? Well, look, this has been a long journey for those of us who have been uh, in from the beginning of this, who noticed and recognized right away that there was a attempted coup going on in this country, and or at least at the beginning, it was an ab abuse of our intelligence capabilities in this country uh, that ultimately we figured out, wow, there's actually a coup going on here. Uh, so, so we're used to this. So you really have to get up every day. Uh, you have to put your work boots on and you have to go out there and you have to do really tough work because, you know, the people that perpetuated these crimes are very good at hiding it. So, so we work, uh, you know, every day. It's very, very close. You know, some days we have new information that comes in. Some days we get new informants. Uh, some days we're able to find something that, that we might not have seen before in the Mueller probe. So, so that's why, you know, you asked me at the very beginning, that's why it's so critical uh, that the United States Senate is finally uh, doing something. Because remember, this is about, you had, there was election interference done in the 2018 election. Uh, that election interference was done by, uh, you know, was started by the Clinton campaign, but it was done by ultimately the FBI and the Department of Justice with support of the House and Senate Democrats, uh, you know, that clearly just used this for a, a fundraising scheme uh, and a scheme ultimately where they were just trying in, to impeach the in president the 2016 the election, right? No, uh, no, I'm talking yeah, about the 2016 the election. election. The 2018 election, we would have been, uh, the, you know, I'm not sure the Republicans would have lost control of the House. You know, if we didn't have to spend all the time that we had to spend uh, that, you know, Trump's a Russian agent, Republicans are controlled by uh, uh, being controlled by Putin. These are crazy things that happen that okay. were done at the highest levels of the Department of Justice and the FBI. So, look, one thing that we don't and I don't, I'm not trying to evade any of your questions here about not answering 
uh, people who, do, you know, who should be subpoenaed I, or I not. I hear you. Uh, but we're running a real investigation, and, and we want people to pay a price for these crimes that they committed against the American people. We hear you, Congressman. Thank you so much for coming on. Will you come back soon? We love having you on. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks for having oh, me. Oh, wow. She didn't like that fact. Let's go back to it where she corrected him. Ben, uh, you know, I'm not sure the Republicans would have lost control of the House. You know, if we didn't have to spend all the time that we had to spend uh, that, you know, Trump's a Russian agent. Republicans are controlled by uh, uh, being controlled by Putin. These are crazy things that happened that were done at the highest levels of the Department of Justice and the FBI. So, look, one thing that we don't and I'm not trying to evade any of your questions here about not answering uh, people who, you know, who should be subpoenaed. I I hear you. Uh, Yeah, no, she hears him. She wants him to not say that. Here's this. Tesla CEO Elon Musk just now calling for the breakup of Amazon. In a tweet, Musk writes, time to break up Amazon. Monopolies are wrong. His comments were prompted by an author who tweeted his book on the novel coronavirus pandemic was pulled from Amazon. Musk's tweet comes just two days after saying he was taking a break from social network services. Tesla CEO Elon Musk. Let me tell you something about monopolies. Monopolies are the foundation of all totalitarian and socialist and communist governments. You create monopolies. So these riots are extinguishing our small businesses. You get it? You get that? That's how they work. They will work against the people on all fronts. They will destroy the economy for what they have to say. This is the most ridiculous move I've seen. And yet we're here. We have people like Lindsey Graham saying some lovely things. We have people like Ted Cruz saying things like this that make us perk our heads a bit. Mr. Rosenstein. On May 17th, you appointed Bob Mueller the special counsel. On June 29th, you signed the third FISA application. On August 2nd, you signed the second scope application. You came into a profoundly politicized world, and yet all of this was allowed to go forward under your leadership. That unfortunately leads to only two possible conclusions. Either that you were complicit in the wrongdoing, which I don't believe was the case, or that your performance of your duties was grossly negligent. Was there any standard, Senator? (laughs) Was there any more important case the Department of Justice had than an investigation into whether the president of the United States is a Russian asset colluding against the United States? So on that note, God bless from all of us here. Red State Talk Radio. I'll see you all on Monday. Same time, same place. Have a great weekend.